What's happening, CMU sports fans? Welcome back to Maroon and Bold, your home for everything Chippewa sports. I'm your host and CMU Life sports editor, Sean Chase, here for episode two. This week, we'll dive into CMU football's most recent win against Bucknell, CMU soccer's upcoming Mid-American Conference slate, CMU volleyball's last tournament before Maction, and CMU field hockey's continued struggles. And now, we welcome on CM Life field hockey beat reporter, James Bessenhofer. How's it going, James? Going great. Thanks for having me, Sean. No problem. So, CMU field hockey's last game was against Bellarmine. Didn't go their way. Their losing streak has grown to six games. Things are getting a little rough for that team. What did you see in the game against Bellarmine? Yeah, uh, it didn't go our way, but we were actually competitive in that game. You know, I think they're all fired up. I think uh, the intensity levels were high for the first home opener and with first MAC play. If you look at the stat box, I mean, we were right there with them in every category. Uh, we saw Kate Biglin. She had a huge second period in that game really lifted up the momentum because in the first period Bellarmine was taking shots left and right again the same story as has been in the five game losing streak before you know teams were just taking shots on us left and right our defense wasn't doing anything we would kind of just leave it in the goalie's hands to make all the saves and uh that looks like it looked like it was happening again in the first period and then yeah Kate Biglin just turned turned something around for them and got hot in the second period. She took four shots alone in the second period. Uh, when I was talking to Coach Johnstone after the game, she said that she's a great player. She's one of the, like we were saying, like who does Johnstone trust in uh, the earlier podcast we did this yeah. year. And uh, definitely confirmed now, Coach Johnstone just trusts Kate Biglin. That's just one of the names that I was saying that she has to trust. And when I read your story, her qu- quote about she wasn't going to let us lose like that's the type of thing you need as a first-year coach to get people around you you know what I mean I think Biglin is a great piece for this team and uh, really just the story of this game was just they kept on answering everything we threw at them they would answer right back we would score answer right back we would score they would answer right back and uh that uh also what I found out about this game and what coach Johnson said to me after the game when I was talking to her is that I feel like they do have that third offensive weapon. Now, she is a freshman, but Amelia Lane on the team, look out for her in the future and years to come, especially since she's a freshman and this is Coach Johnson's first year. I feel like, you know, like Coach Johnson will start trusting her, start, you know, like they're going to grow together and be a tandem. Uh, But, yeah, watch out for her, Alice O'Hagan again, and like we said, Kate Biglin. But, yeah. Lost that game three to two on a six-game losing streak. We are now one and six on the season, zero and one in the MAC, and we are in last place in the MAC conference. But we do play Appalachian State this Friday. Uh, Appalachian State three and three on the season, zero and one in the MAC. They lost to Kent State, but Kent State is a really, really good team. So. We'll see how this game goes against Appalachian State. But is that Boone, North Carolina? Is that Appalachian yeah, State? Yeah, they got to go a long way. Long way again. And before we get into that, Katie Maxim and Maha Halaz have been splitting time. They once again split time against Bellarmine. Have you talked to the coach about why she's doing that? Yeah, I I try to ask her every time about the goalie competition, but uh, she doesn't want to. She's wanna, not giving me answers. She's not giving me <laughs> answers. I think she just wants to keep that. You know, quiet for strategy-wise, looking forward when they play against other teams. But it is interesting. You know, they sub out. 
they they played like the last like three games they both played. So uh, really, I feel like she just puts in one, and if she's not, they're kind of losing momentum. They kind of need like something else going their way. They'll put in the other one to probably regain. And you know, they took out. I think they took out. They did take out Halas in the game against Bellarmine in the third period, middle of the third third period, and uh, from the later third period on to the whole fourth. Katie Maxim shut it down. I mean, there's both teams had a fair amount of shots in the fourth fourth period and at the end of the third to change the game around. And uh, both goalies just played awesome. And Katie Maxim really shut it down. No, you're right. That's one goal against four saves. Mahalaz's stats aren't far off two goals against three saves. But Maxim seems to be shutting the door on teams. And that was one thing we talked about. She's a little older than Halaz. So how was she going to respond to coming off the bench? Seems like she doesn't care. She just wants in. And really, she played. We talk about like the first three games of the season. Yeah, she played the full game against St. Louis. St. Louis, not a great team this year so far. And then she played American ranked team and Michigan ranked team. Super and then they subbed her. They too. yeah, they subbed her out for Halas. So it's not like she was really doing bad. I mean, if you look at the American game and the Michigan game. They threw everything but the kitchen sink at her, so she was really just trying. I mean, like the shots were, like what, like twenty three to four or something. It was was. ridiculous. It was out of control, and that's for. It's gonna be hard to stop things against teams like Michigan. Like that's where you're gonna feel that beating of like, damn, this is a long season. But I do think we're gonna see more Katie Maximum down the stretch. It just feels like it. I really do want to see more Katie Maximum, especially in Mac Conference play, where the games will be a lot closer. More of our more of our competition yeah. will be in that that conference. So, and it's a crazy conference. I didn't know Appalachian State was in our conference. And like for football, they're killing the world. I don't know what their field hockey team is, but what are your predictions for how this game plays out? I I have a hard chance seeing us win. To be honest, I would like to see us win. I just want to see. How Amelia Lane keeps on shining, how Kate Biglin keeps on growing. Honestly, how the three offensive tandems, Alice O'Hagan, how those guys keep, how those girls keep on growing, and uh, see how the uh, goalie situation outplays too, because it's kind of been, like we just said, a question mark there. But uh, yeah, I mean, they, against a really good at Kent State team, they only lost by one. So. I mean, it's going to be a good game playing a great team in the conference, and uh, just because they're 0-1 in the MAC doesn't doesn't mean anything. No, and I agree with you. I think it's going to be a very tough-fought game, but that, what keeps coming up in my mind is losing streaks ended sometimes. There's, yeah. there's going to be a point, and the team has progressively looked more engaged during games. As we've, The Bellarmine game was the best game they've played all year, in my opinion. Granted, they lost by a goal, but... If you put up that effort against Appalachian State, who knows what ends up happening. You know what I'm saying? And honestly, if you look at that Bellarmine game, look at the first period. We had zero shots. <laughs> we didn't take a shot. We had zero shot attempts. I mean, we came out slow that game until Kate Biglin turned it around in the second period. But, yeah, I mean, if we don't start out slow there and maybe pick up a couple shots in the first period, who knows Yeah, because they outshot us 7-0. Like, it was – you get a couple more in your favor, take a little time of possession out of your end. Who knows what happens? You know what I mean? So, And who even knows? They got their first goal in the end of the first period. So 
if we change the tide a little bit, maybe they don't even get to that goal. So I'm excited to see what happens. <clears throat> but like we've talked about, this is this could be a long season for that whole team. This could be a very rough ride. Yeah, and like what you said, I mean, I don't know if you want to go down to Boone, North Carolina right now and play there because of the what's energy. been happening, <laughs> energy, you know, kicking off, beating Texas A&M, and then the uh, Hail Mary win against Troy. So Boone, North Carolina right now is a hostile place <laughs> to go right now. You are 100% correct, and I that was kind of where my brain was at with it is like the energy that is running around that campus just from the football wins. It's going to translate to fans going to everything like, yo, we're just beating everyone. That I'm nervous a little bit. I'm nervous of what they're going to see, but it would also be great for CMU to go to Appalachian State where all of this energy is high and go get one, go get their first MAC win. You know what I mean? Especially Coach Johnstone's first MAC win. She hasn't even gotten one yet. It would be great to see it happen in Appalachian State, but like we've said, it's going to be a challenge. Yeah, it's going to be uh, – they're going to really need to come out and play and – like we said earlier, that's a long, long travel to Boone, North Carolina. So we'll just have to see. But hopefully they get it done on this losing streak and we can put that in the past and uh, keep on marching forward. After they face Appalachian State, CMU will have five MAC games left. Kent State, as we've talked about, Ohio, Miami, Ohio, and Longwood. Where's the win coming from in the MAC? If you had to predict one, also Ball State, I miss them. If you had to pick a team to get it, it feels like it's going to have to be Appalachian State. I feel like there's some teams. I mean, I don't know if we could beat Ball State or Kent State, really. There's, they look like two good teams. Uh, Ohio, we played earlier in the season, but it didn't count as a MAC conference game for some reason. Which don't is ask. very confusing. Don't ask me. I don't make the schedule or the rules, so don't ask me on that one. But we, we played them 5-2, and... Uh, Really, I think in that game, our demeanor was down. You know, we were playing – we just played two really tough teams before that and uh, did not go our way at all in those games. So, I think our demeanor was really down in that game. Uh, I'd like to see us maybe if we could pick up a couple wins, season starts going the right way, and we play that team again, see how it goes differently. Because we only lost 5-2 in that game, I believe. Yep. And it's not like they, like, shut us down. It was a close game throughout the whole game. And it was in Ann Arbor. They had Michigan the next in a couple of days after that. Like it was, it was a stressful period for this team. So well, no, in the Ohio game too, you could say that it was a look ahead game because they weren't really focusing on Ohio. They were looking ahead to the big game against Michigan. And they were only three games in the season. Johnstone didn't have time to get her feet really under her, and she was getting ran into some big teams. So we're gonna see what happens. I think as time goes on, this group will come become more cohesive. And you could see them playing the upset as the max season winds down. Yeah, but the two the two games I feel like we have to squeak are definitely Longwood and App State. I mean, Longwood two and five on the season, zero and one in the MAC, and like we said earlier, App State three and three in the three and three overall, zero and one in the MAC. So we'll just see. And now we welcome on soccer beat reporter Ashley Berkness. How's it going, Ashley? It's good. Well, it hasn't been going good for the soccer team. Based upon what I've seen so far, they're currently 1-5 and five and 1 after playing to a draw against Eastern Illinois on Sunday. What are your thoughts on how that game played out? Even though it ended in a tie, I think it went pretty well. I thought when they played Michigan, which they lost, you know, pretty bad, I think they, uh, I don't know, I think they turned things around for that game and they scored first and I think they took, like, that momentum and continued to 
play with it. And even though it ended in a tie, I think there were some positives out of that game. Oh, I agree. And you just mentioned it. CMU scored first at the 53-minute mark. Matilda Mellon scored for CMU off an assist from Elizabeth Chulston. But the lead didn't last very long as in the 82nd minute, EIU tied it up. CMU was outshot out 14-4, to but it's heading into its mag schedule. So what positives do you think they can take from that EIU game and use in the mag schedule? Um, I think kind of like... The way I kind of see it is they kind of left that game like with a clean slate. They're starting over. Yeah, it would have been nice going into MAC with a win, but I think with those positives of they had great communication, they scored first, they took what they were doing into the Michigan game that was good and brought it into the Eastern game, and I think it's kind of clicking of like, we can do it. Like, it's up there. Like, we're up there. Like, I think that with time, they'll also – continue to use these positives and I think they'll be okay do you think it's been a switch of the mentality because it seems like against Michigan granted that was a team that we were overmatched the whole way but it didn't feel like we were in it at the end it felt like it like we talked about last week it got out of hand it seemed like they were a different team against EIU on Saturday or Sunday Mm -hmm. where do you think that came from do you think it came from the coach or is this a player thing what happened I think both and I also think that like with them playing all of these teams in, like, Michigan State, U of M, you know. Uh, Powerhouses. Marquette, right. I think playing those teams, I think it's they kind of got down on themselves. And then playing a more an even match team like Eastern. And I think the coach, I think he believes in them. He knows they can do it. Uh, so I think with them and then it also being, it was also senior day on Sunday. So I think also having that play a factor I think played a big part in it that's a great point because I forgot about the early senior day that makes no sense before Mac play but no it does I bet that had something to do with them being like yeah we're gonna go out and get one for our seniors at least they don't have many on this team so they want to honor them in that way right and then throughout the season I just looked up a couple stats you mentioned her last week Jalen Dabrowski leads the team in goals she's also got seven shots on goal She's also got an assist. She's doing everything, it seems like. Elizabeth Chulston has two assists and five shots on goal. It seems like they're getting contributions from a lot of people. Even Matilda Mellon and Megan Logue have scored. What are you seeing from the offense? Those three girls that you just mentioned, they every time I see them, they are hustling. Oh, my gosh. Like, they're always down there. They're very competitive. They're very aggressive with it. And I think those three girls, they're giving those opportunities to those other girls to score those goals. And I think as they continue throughout the season, they're only going to get stronger. No, I agree with that. And I think you're right. They have been going after it, but they need to. To keep the team in any of the games, they got to have somebody step up. And we touched on it a little bit ago. They play an 11-game Mid-American Conference schedule this this season, and they open it on the 22nd, which is a little ways away. they got time to recoup. And they open it against Eastern Michigan, who is 1-4-2 and two on the season. How do you see that game playing out? Because that after that, it doesn't get easy. They start to face some monsters in the mag. Right. So with that being like an eleven, they have eleven days until mag starts or whatever, eight days now. And coach also mentioned this about how with the now eight days, they're gonna get some players back. They've already gotten a few back, and I think uh, with that being mag play and facing facing Eastern for their first game. I think it's going to be like a, from what it looks like on the stats, it looks like it's going to be an even matched 
um, game. And I think if they do come out on top against Eastern, I think, and gaining those other players back, I think they should see see an improvement in the way they're playing as a whole in, yes. as they face the tougher teams. Now, I kind of want to jump back because I missed this a little bit ago. Against EIU, Groves rotated the goalies. Both of them got 45 minutes of play. Right. Okay, he started Kendall Krupasevic in the net and then pulled her. Nobody had scored yet. Why did he pull Kendall? <laughs> so he's talked about how uh, Emma Schingler, she got a concussion a couple of games back. She That was her first game returning against EIU. And he wanted to get both of the goalkeepers sometime in the goal before conference play. So they both saw some action. I think that also kind of like showed him and kind of helped his decision on who he potentially wants to start against Eastern. Well, that makes sense too. Have you seen any implications of who he's leaning towards starting? I haven't just because I thought it was going to be Kendall, but then I found out Emma had a concussion. So I honestly... I don't know. If I'm going to guess, I think it's going to be Shingler because she started the year. <clears throat> yeah. She seems like she's the, the number two goalie behind Allison LaPointe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know for sure. We're going to find out. After they play Eastern Michigan, the CMU soccer team comes back to Mount Pleasant to play Miami, Ohio. Miami, Ohio is one of the top teams in the MAC right now. They're a powerhouse. How important is it that for CMU to at least draw against EMU before they start facing these powerhouses? I think it's huge. I think coming off of the momentum of possibly a win against Eastern and then, well, plus the tie against EIU going into Eastern uh, and having that kind of clean slate, I think they can kind of go into the Eastern game with positive mindset, like the past is a pass. Yeah, learn from it and use what we've learned into the Eastern game, come out with a win, go into Miami, continue the the positive things that they've been doing and working on uh, yeah, it might be tough even if they don't come out with a win. If they were able to play well and keep up with Miami, I think that's that's still a good thing. Oh, yeah. If they can hang with Miami, even if, as long as it doesn't get out of hand like the Michigan game, right. we're going to be okay, I feel yeah. like. Miami has they've been rolling. And things shake out differently when the MAC play starts. Ever It always happens. Yeah. The top teams, some of them fall. Some of the bottom teams come up. I'm hoping we see that from CMU. What areas has Grove identified to you as this is where we need to work on if we want to climb into the top of the MAC? I think just, like, attacking. Like, I think when they also kind of get down on themselves when the other team kind of takes charge and they kind of just, like, let it happen in a way from what I've understood. And I think he kind of wants them to just, like, attack when that happens, attack on them and continue forward. Yeah, he wants to see some fight. And I... I completely get that because it seems like some teams around this campus get down on themselves when the lead goes away. So what are your predictions on how the first two games against Eastern Michigan and Miami of Ohio play out? I think it's Eastern Michigan. I think that game is going to go pretty well. I think we're going to come out with a win on that one. And then I think the Miami game, it's going to be tough. But I think coming off of that win with Eastern, I think that uh, the Miami game – they're going to hang with them. And whether it's in the first half, the second half, I think they're both halves. Hopefully they put them together, which I think that's what they've been needing to do. So I think they're going to they're gonna hang with Miami. And it may, maybe it'll come out on, with a win. I mean, we're going to find out because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask you about this when the games are over. I appreciate your time, Ashley. Thank you for joining me. Thank you. And now a word from our sponsor. Green Tree Co-op Market is ready for fall. 
Their new location is just one mile from CMU's campus and open from 7 a.m. to 9 p.m. daily, offering more fresh, delicious local options than ever before, including a bakery and a daily hot bar. This location also has indoor and outdoor seating, larger produce and meat departments, and a student discount every Friday. Stop by anytime for fresh coffee, quick snacks, easy meals, hair and skin care, savory soups, and all the fall essentials. Green Tree, now at 410 West Broadway, Mount Pleasant. Visit greentree.coop for more information. And now, we welcome on CM Life football beat reporter, Ryan Calores. How's it going, Ryan? Not too bad, man. All right, so CMU finally picked up its first win of the season against Bucknell on Saturday in Kelly Short Stadium. If you read our predictions, we thought there was going to be a couple drubbings throughout the season. This was one of them, and it ended up that way. 41-0 for CMU. The defense played outside their minds. Michael Heldman, Thomas and Kuhn specifically. And there was a lot of injuries. What are your thoughts on how the game played out, Ryan? Yeah, um, you know, it was – obviously it's a, it's a, the type of game that you should win if you're CMU, and they did. To their, and, and, you know, I think it was – I think it was kind of a balance of um, taking steps forward while kind of showcasing what steps still need to be taken. And by that, I mean, uh, you know, you mentioned the defense. Uh, they played out of their minds, you know. They were they were really uh, – and it started up front, like you said. There was a lot of pressure. Um, the quarterback, uh, he you know, he couldn't really get uh, – well, quarterbacks, I should say. I was going to say, they ran everybody but, <laughs> they could out there besides Septa Hemptler. <laughs> <laughs> right, but uh, but yeah, they didn't really get a chance to get comfortable, um, and I think honestly, I think that's why you saw the the changes in quarter. Yeah, I mean, there were some some injury issues as well, but but yeah, I think uh, the defense looked good, definitely, and and for a secondary who is missing, um, you know, three of the starters from the week before, I mean, they held up. They did their they did their thing. I like that you bring that up because. Dante Kent was out with wisdom teeth surgery, or after having his wisdom teeth removed. Trey Jones has been banged up, so he was sitting out. And then we found out after the game that Roland Sturkey has left the team. What went through your mind when McIlwain dropped that on us? Yeah, I you know, I thought it was kind of weird because Sturkey's a guy, he's been on campus since 2018, I believe. Um, he's kind of made his way up through the ranks of CMU football. You know, he started... Uh, Starting out, you know, he didn't play much, and then he was kind of a special teams guy, um, and then he flip-flopped back and forth between corner and safety a little bit, um, and so yeah, he was just kind of a guy who had a lot of experience, um, a guy that was trusted by the coaching staff, so it, it, it was it was weird to hear, because like, you'd think that's the kind of guy who, you know, just necessarily wouldn't up and leave, and you know, we, we don't know what the scenario is, but, but yeah, I, that struck me as a little bit odd hearing that. No, I agree. I was not expecting it. We had, during the game, you and I were talking about where's Sturkey because we didn't see him, and he was expected to play a big role with Dante Kent out. He was going to be the number one cornerback. Ended up falling on Ronald Kent and Lavario Wiley, and Lavario Wiley shined. We haven't given him much love in articles, but he went outside of his mind. He was locking down everybody on his side of the field, and I didn't expect that, especially with Caleb Spann playing safety for Trey Jones behind him. It seemed like those two, we never missed a beat with Trey and Dante out. No, and, and you know, Coach Mack even kind of mentioned that. He was like, you know, maybe these guys should have been getting some playing time. Um, 
but yeah, no, you you you're completely right about not skipping a beat. Like uh, Wiley, I mean, shoot, he almost he had his hands on what would have been a, a an interception. Um, he had a few pass breakups. Uh, you know, I don't, I can't recall a single time that he gave up like a big play or anything. Uh, he looked good. He looked so good. I thought he was going to be on the starting lineup this week. To be honest, on a, yeah, I did too. I, I really thought he was going to be in that spot where uh, Ronald Kent is penciled in, and we talked about that um, a little bit beforehand. Um, and I think I think it's great that Ron. I, I think Ronald is uh, he's earned this spot, and and I'm glad to see him out there. Obviously, this you know him and his brother. It's a cool story. Him and it's Dante an incredible story. Their that, first start you know, together. I'm excited just for that. Those write themselves, but but beyond that, like. I mean, what's he done not to earn the job? You know, he's come in when the coaching staff has pulled him in. Uh, they were, you know, super complimentative of him uh, in the offseason. They talked about he came in and he just started working, you know. He was it's, – it's just like his brother. And we've talked about this so many times, but that's definitely why you're seeing him uh, suiting up across from Dante this week. And it wasn't a surprise to me, like you said. He's been raved about by coaches – and he provides a veteran leadership on the field that you can just feel when he's out there. It's like that side of the field feels locked down. And then when you've got his brother on the other side who we saw it against South Alabama, they were trying to pick on him, and he got his get back on him. And that mentality to have that on both sides, and then Trey Jones and, and Jaden Davis in the back end, that defense is scary right now. They're, what we thought was going to be a huge question mark for this team going into the year seems a lot less of a question mark than something, say, like the kicking game where Marshall Meter continues to miss. Ralston missed after being put in in replacement of Meter, so Meter got to come back out. After he got put back on the field, he didn't miss another extra point. He didn't have any struggles. But that's another issue we talked to McElwain about, and he seems to still have confidence in Meter. Now we haven't talked to him since that game, and we're we're not going to ask about that. Just keep it real. <laughs> I'll never ask him about that again. <laughs> how he looked at me last time. We'll, but. we'll do our own analysis on that one. Yeah, <laughs> but it does seem like we our biggest struggle right now is the is the field goal special teams kicking game areas. We're having we're seeing Ralston kick balls out of bounds on kickoffs, letting yeah. teams start been a way issue. up. Like yeah. this is a problem, and with a this is something we kind of dance around all the time. But with the slow starts that CMU's offense has continued to have, we need every point we can get in the early stages of this game. You talked to McElwain today. What is his mission with getting this offense going? Um, I, you know, I don't know if he had really a specific mission, but um, but yeah, I mean, he's he's aware of of what they're going up against. Like, obviously, you know, so he's been around. He knows. Jack yeah, and uh, and yeah, I think um, I think he's gonna just kind of continue to try with that theme of finding the balance on offense. Although with with an opponent like this, like I don't know, we'll we'll see if that's even a, a feasible possibility. Because if if this team is is what they're cracked out to be, I mean, it, it might be really tough to get the running game going. And you mentioned it, CMU heads to Happy Valley this weekend to face Penn State. This is as big. This is the biggest game of the year in my mind. Oklahoma State was a good team the previous year. We didn't know what they were going to be. We've seen a little bit of what Penn State can do. Their rushing attack is what everybody's afraid of. How do we stop that? What do you think that Aki's plan is going to be to slow that down? Um, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of uh, a lot of substitutions, a lot of keeping guys fresh. Yeah. Um, with that being said, though, I mean, 
if somebody's getting a lot of push, if somebody's making a lot of plays, I mean, I'm sure they'll, you know, that as with any other position, like, um, but, but yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how they're going to deploy the linebackers. I want to see, um, you know, how close they are up into the box. I think you're, I, honestly, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of, uh, Nick Apsey in, um, in favor of, uh, Stepney. Well, because, I agree with that. Especially, you know, if this team gets out to an early lead, uh, Penn State, then, I mean, why wouldn't they keep running the ball with, with what they have? Um, and we've talked about this, and I still think, despite, like, you know, how good the backup uh, secondary guys looked, I think this D-line is still, it's still far and away the best unit, and it, it, ha- it has the most depth. Um, so, so, yeah, I'm excited to see how they respond. Uh, you know, I... I'm sure Coach McElwain is going to be looking for the same thing. And I think one thing I'm going to be looking for is to see if they're going to try to give some other guys, you know, a little bit of run against a team like this, you know, kind of see what they're made of. Cause... Give some young guys some play. That makes sense. I didn't even think of that. I, I think it's going to come down to our linebackers. I think it's going to have to be Kyle Moretti and Justin Whiteside having – they've got to play outside of their minds because they're going to be the ones that stop this rushing attack. Our defensive line is good enough to keep guys off them. In my opinion, I think that our defensive line is one of the best in the MAC. There's, it's going to be hard for anybody to prove anything else to me. The way that I'm seeing Heldman play, with a little bit of faith from Incum, he turned into a superhuman, and it it was great to see. He Incum, we talked to Incum after the Bucknell game, and he told us specifically that he talked to him and said there's going to be a lot of pressure on my side. I'm obviously paraphrasing, but he called on Heldman to stay, step up and. Man, did not disappoint. But and we saw it a little bit against Bucknell. The, the linebackers were able to make plays. They were, they were able to slide downhill unscathed. There wasn't a lot of guards getting to the linebackers. If that continues, I think anything can happen in this Penn State game. Yes, they're a Big Ten team. Yes, they are a very good Big Ten team. Anything can happen on Saturday. And if D. Rich, we'll take a turn to the offense. But if D. Rich can show any of the accuracy that he showed against Oklahoma State. We are torching that Nittany Lions secondary. I don't care. With Jalen McGoy, Carlos Carrier, Finn Hogan, uh, Joel Wilson, there's some weapons out there. And then we're not even thinking about Miles Bailey out of the backfield, who is an incredible catch-and-run running back. Lou Nichols, who's got hands, too. Like There are weapons everywhere on this offense. Where do you think CMU is going to shine offensively? I think, actually, now that you mention it, I think they're going to look to uh... – to get kind of uh, the passing game going, you know, with their backs, like out of the backfield. Yeah. Uh, you know, you have a, a guy as – we've talked about this before, their running back room features three guys who are completely different running backs. Yeah. You know, you have Marion Lukes who, you know, you if you throw a screen to him, he might just he might just take off in, in all honesty. Yeah, and then, and then I kind of look at uh, Bailey as kind of that complete, you know, one cut back who's gets downhill really fast and, like – he, it's you know he's not necessarily gonna run you over the way Lou will consistently. He's not gonna outrun you the way Luke's does, but but he kind of finds that balance, yeah. and and is just you know he's got really good vision. He's got uh, and he can he can make some all, all three of them in all honesty can uh, can make some plays with their hands. So um, so yeah, I really want to see how they how they deploy those guys um, because you know who knows. Coach Mack might just end up going with uh, uh, Lou as the featured back and kind of just sprinkle Bailey and Luke's in. But I think 
if it, like if I were to you know if I were to guess, I think that's that would be one of the uh, the main keys to victory is kind of spreading out that pass offense because with a team like Penn State, um, you know they're gonna have recruits, they're gonna have guys who can if you, you beat them once downfield, you know they'll probably have it covered. They're a good, they're a well coached team, um, and you know you never know. But I but I think that's the key to kind of di- diversifying that passing offense. No, and James Franklin is a heck of a coach. He's doing incredible things at Penn State, completely rejuvenated that program after all the issues they dealt with. But I just keep coming back to anything can happen. And I think with the confidence that CMU got off that Bucknell win, this is not the same team that you saw coming out of Oklahoma State. Like, yeah, they were confident, but they also knew that they they still had issues. CMU won with all those issues. The first half struggles continued. The defense, that was really the the biggest improvement. That defense, from opening snap to the end of that game, and it felt like an hour after, they were still ready to go smack someone in the mouth. But that offense, I just, I feel like we're getting a little flow. Daniel Richardson got faith in himself. He doesn't need premier weapons to be like, yo, I'm I'm that man. He didn't have his best weapons this weekend. It wasn't like we saw Carrier. He had McGoy. But outside of that, it was a lot of people who were just filling in, seeing their first real time. I just, I don't know. I got this feeling in my stomach that it's going to be upset city when we go out there. Now, McElwain did say when you talked to him today, when he was there with Alabama, that's one of the loudest places he's ever been. That's all I've ever heard about Happy Valley is it gets crunk in there. Oh, yeah. I don't see it being any other way for CMU. You know what I mean? It's going to be turned up. How do you think they deal with that mentally? Um, yeah, I think, uh, I think I, you know, coach Mack has been in these situations before with other teams. So I think he's going to have his team ready. And I think, um, I think, you know, either way, this, I think this team will, will probably feed off of that. Um, you know, unless things really swing, you know, out of their favor, which in that case, that can be kind of detrimental when things aren't going your way. And then on top of that, but, but, you know, if you can really take that, uh, that kind of energy in the in the stadium and really use it. Um, I, I think McElwain will be able to get that out of his guys. And, and so, yeah, I think if, if done correctly, I think they can, you know, use that to their advantage almost. No, I agree. And I, my only fear is that it gets out of hand too quick because if CMU starts slow, Penn state is not the type of team that is going to just take their foot off the gas. If they get up on you, they're going to pound that ball down your throat, run that clock all the way out. And you're not going to be able to do the things we saw against Oklahoma State where all of a sudden this game is a two-touchdown game and it shouldn't have never been like that. You know what I mean? That's my whole fear is that we get too far behind in the early going. But I also think the energy in that building, coming off the bus, that team's going to be jacked up. McIlwain's going to have them through the roof excitement-wise. I feel like you just need to tune in on Saturday because something big could happen. Lou Nichols is finally back. He, he's feeling, well, he ain't feeling himself. That man never, ever feels himself. He's never satisfied. Goes for 166 yards, two touchdowns. Comes back 15 minutes later, ah, I'm not happy. I want to do better. So, like, I just, I feel like that we're in a different space right now. And one thing I think uh, I, I'd like to add is just uh, talking to McElwain. He talked about, um, he talked about some of the new guys um, that are being featured in specifically in the offense and how they're kind of creating a new identity around these new guys. And, and, and he talked about, you know, that's something that takes time to do de- to develop. Um, so a game like this, like this could be very, very, uh, 
you know, very telling of, of kind of how, where that is. Because, you know, they, they played great last week, but, but it was, it was Bucknell. It was an FCS program. It wasn't Penn State. <laughs> right. So I, I think it's the biggest thing here in, in this game is the response, uh, specifically out of the new guys and, well, and obviously uh, D. Rich, because he's, he's, you know, he's the, the key to the offense. Um, no, I agree. And I think you made a, a great point is it's going to take time for this unit to feel themselves. I think this is one of them games, like you said, where we're going to find out if they're there yet. Because as soon as this is over, we action kicks off. You know what I mean? We are about to get into the, the hot and heavy part of this schedule. And I just I hope we get there 2-2. Two and two. It feels like it might be a 1-3 and three thing, but there's no pressure on CMU. Everybody's overlooking them. Everybody's thinking, hey, you're getting blown out because of what South Alabama did, in my opinion. That was a team that a lot of people overlooked. Us included. <laughs> like, <laughs> McElroy made us realize real quick we had messed up, but he kept saying, oh, they're better than people think. Felt like he was directly talking at us, but it's neither here nor there. I just, I don't know. I feel like anything can happen, and I've got this. Maybe it's because we wrote something for Penn Live, but I'm like, oh, I hope my prediction's right. I hope that we we shock the world. Because, yeah, it could be a seven-point game, and if it is that close at the end and CMU's got the ball, you think D. Rich can't get them boys up? You know what I'm saying? He's going to get yeah. the troops going. Like, oh, yeah. And that's where it's going to all rest on Danny Richardson this weekend. It's going to – if you can throw with any of the accuracy that you showed against Oklahoma State, CMU's the most dangerous team in the MAC. If we keep seeing 10-yard overthrows, yeah, we're in trouble. Mm-hmm. Or or just any of the accuracy he had last year. It's 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 been it's been interesting to watch kind of uh, those issues that have plagued him. And, and you know, um, this is the perfect time to, to really uh, respond – because, you know, what we've seen from him this year is we've seen him play a really good, really clean game against uh, what is clearly the, has been their best opponent thus far. And then just, you know, struggled, uh, mental errors, uh, you know, just overthrown passes, like you said. So who knows? Like, if he can come out and, and respond, and I guess this isn't so much analysis, but it feels like Penn State – Sometimes we'll just have some weird games. Like we talk, James Franklin is a good coach, but there are times where it, there are some head scratchers, and and so, you know, who knows what happens when you when you walk into Happy Valley? And you mentioned it earlier. Uh, there aren't expectations right now for this team. Like, you know, I honestly I thought the uh, what was it, what's the spread twenty six and a half? Yeah, twenty six and a half. I, I thought it was gonna be higher. I thought we were looking at a forty point spread. I, I, I thought Vegas was just gonna like like take one look at that South Alabama game and just be like, you know, it's wraps. So. Yeah. No, I agree. But, but yeah, as far as expectations, um, I, they're largely absent. So it's, it's one of those things where it's like, you know, go out, do your thing. The rest of it will kind of fall into place. And no, I agree. And I, you bring up a good point. Penn state does have issues where sometimes they just don't come to play. I thought that was going to be the case in this game, but they don't. They play Northwestern next. A game after that is Michigan. If it were Michigan after CMU, that's a big overlook game. Like, yeah, we don't got to worry about them. We got the big boys. Northwestern is not that. You know what I mean? They're not a team that you're like, oh, we got to prepare for them. So I think we could get the full James Franklin experience with this game, and that makes me extremely nervous. And I did not even have that in my brain until you said it. Like, that is – they're not overlooking us now. like. And I guess the biggest question of the day is, what do you think Lou's going to do? Because I, 
I think they're going to stack the box, and I think we could see another down day for Lou. I agree. I think that'll probably happen, and I think that um, I think that in the state, the current uh, CMU offensive line is in. I mean, they've had ups and downs. Um, they've looked good at times. Other times, you know, you, you see the youth out there. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, this Penn State line just – you know they get after the the passer they they stuff the run so it's this will be like i'm excited to see how the young guys uh respond to this but at the same time it's you know i'm i'm certainly weary that it it, it could turn ugly who knows i i think uh yeah i think it'll probably be somewhat of a slower day for lou just because i mean I don't know. It's just it's just such a tall task to face. Um, a team like this, you know, obviously they're able to draw on the recruits, the bigger guys that. And that's a that's great some, point. They they're five stars everywhere in that lineup, and there are no five stars. And and lineup. if not five stars, it's guys who beat out five stars or four stars. You yeah. know, so so it's. Yeah, that's a good point too. <laughs> when them star them stars don't matter when it comes to playing, but they've got. Top but you tier know they're there. there. Yeah, they got top tier dudes over there. So then, the final part of the show, what is your prediction for how it's going to go? Maybe it's cheating, but I'm going to go with the prediction I had in <laughs> in the guest column. I'm going to say 48-20 to 20 Penn State wins. CMU gets off to another slow start, and, and it's just, you know, kind of gets behind and, and just gets buried a little bit. You just killed me. It doesn't. <laughs> you just physically killed. It doesn't me. give me pleasure saying that, but but also I don't <laughs> I don't want to look back at the uh, predictions that I made like I have earlier this season and be like, man, I did not know what I was talking about. <laughs> You're a better man than me because I don't <laughs> even look back at them. <laughs> I will not look back at what I said. I'll tell you what I wrote in the Penn State column. I think that this is going to be a tighter game than people think. I think D. Rich has got them. As I said, he's going to have the troops fired up to go into Happy Valley. It's not. Yeah, that noise is going to be crazy, but D. Rich is crazy too. 42-35, Penn State wins it. I think this is very close. I think – I'm hoping it's very close because this is the game that's going to prep us for what the max season is going to be. If we hang anywhere near Penn State the way I feel, all you max sports editors better just shut your paper down because we coming to run this thing. <laughs> um, Really quickly, one more thing I was going to add. Um, We've mentioned our Penn State column like – probably four times and haven't really explained it so just really quickly <laughs> that's just a it was just a guest column that both me and sean did for uh pen live um it'll um it'll go live tomorrow uh thursday morning um so yeah go check it out you better check it out because i put some fire on paper <laughs> thank you for coming on ryan yeah thanks for having me and now we welcome on CM Life Volleyball beat reporters, Kaya Zimmerman and Megan Youngblood. How's it going, Kaya? Good. How are you doing, Megan? I'm good. Happy to be here. So CMU finished off their non-conference tournament schedule this weekend with the Bulldog Brawl. We've been talking about it for weeks that this is the most important tournament of CMU season. It didn't go the way that we thought it would go. They ended up losing 3-0 to Notre Dame and to Missouri. They finished up the tournament with a win, though, against Butler, which they swept. What did you see this weekend from the team? I thought, you know, overall, even though they did drop two games, they were going against big opponents. Second game they played against Missouri, I think 
that they were in it for a little bit. They and then uh, Golik even said he just thought they would have if they would have just finished off a little better, they could have won that one. Um, and then game two, this was my first time actually being able to watch them watch them, um, not following live stats, and it was actually such a great win. The team came together and it showed their potential, showed they can bounce back after going down 0-2. And Golik even said this was made to be a challenging weekend. They wanted to see what they have going into Ball State, going into the MAC. So I think it was a learning experience. They grew from it. And even though they did lose two, I don't see it as a negative weekend. No, I agree. It wasn't a negative weekend in my opinion. Who stood out to you, Megan? I mean, as always, Mallory Hernandez um, led the team. I mean, she was uh, had 17 kills and four blocks in the two-game stretch. But Nat- Natalia Regiment also stood out, and uh, she's leading the offense effort. So. so Mallory is, I think, the big leader. And when she's on fire, I think everyone kind of follows after that. And I think that's what Golic needs is someone to kind of step up like that. So, because when Mallory's off, I think the team is a little off too. And we noticed that um, Friday night there, the team was definitely a little off. So, no, I agree. Mallory, she's brand new, but she leads this team. Going off what Megan said, uh, the left side, uh, which is Natalia Regiment, and then also Anna Erickson, they led Killer. the team um, against Butler. 19 kills total. Um, that side seemed to be on fire and that makes the other team focus more on the left side which opens up things for then Mally Hernandez so I think getting that left side getting those two having two really strong people on the left and then also Mally Hernandez on the right it's a very big offensive powerhouse that's a great point because I didn't even I covered this team last year and just figured out who was on the left side and who was on the right side like I was, <laughs> was not aware of it but I do think that it Regiment and Anna Erickson, who was insane last year, she's very talented. If they can keep teams occupied, Hernandez is going to kill them on the other side. Although this weekend wasn't what they hoped for, CMU's biggest test of the MAC season starts on Friday against Ball State, predicted to be the number one team in the MAC by all those people who don't know what they're talking about. We'll start with Megan. What do you think is going to? How do you think this weekend series plays out? Two games against Ball State in Mount Pleasant. I definitely think it's going to be a battle, but I think it's going to be a battle that CMU comes out on top because, like, every they come back. That's their biggest thing this season. When they're down, they come back, and I think they might fall in the beginning, but they're eventually going to come back. And, I mean, Golic said they're having a hard time finding their identity, and I think that they need to do that almost with every team because every team's going to throw something different at you. Yeah. So I think the first game might be a little shaky, rocky, but they're going to find their identity. They're going to find Ball State's weak parts, and they're going to be able to – come back and hopefully get a couple good wins this weekend. What do you think, Kaya? Ball State's coming off of three losses currently, so that can mean two things. It can mean that they are coming in with vengeance. They want to bounce back from the three losses, or that can mean they're down. I think this is definitely going to be the biggest test of the season um, so far, especially the beginning of MAC play. It's their home opener, so there's that pressure, but also you're going to have your home crowd cheering for you and being on your side, and I think that this team – um, I got to watch them practice the other day, and just watching them, I think that this team has what it takes to win the MAC. So I do see them pulling out at least one, uh, if not both. Well, that's the way I'm looking at it. I think we're going to take one. I don't know if we take them both. I didn't know that they were on a three-game losing streak. That's got me feeling a little better about what I predicted a couple weeks ago. But I think the same thing. It's going to be the home crowd is going to be an incredible impact on this. CMU has not been home since last year where they did not look good, and they're going to come out looking to prove something, in my opinion. Yeah, the coaching staff is completely different besides homie at the top, Golic, but, like, 
the people on this team have not forgotten what happened last year. So as we get into the max season, my favorite thing to do is predict how this thing is going to play out. So I'm going to leave that to y'all because I don't cover the team daily. How do you think they end the max season, Kaya? I think Ball State's going to be the biggest test of the whole MAC. Uh, so I think how this weekend goes will uh, determine who comes out on top. But I do think that if they split this weekend, which I think they will, um, I think they will win the MAC. Uh, depends. They have to probably win out, and we'll see how Ball State does. But I definitely feel, feel like it's going to be a toss-up between uh, Central and Ball State, and how this weekend plays out will might even determine the MAC, which is crazy because it's the first weekend of MAC play. Yeah, I agree with what Kai has to say, especially like how this weekend with Ball State turns out. Either way, even if it's split, even if we win or lose, I think their attitude from that is going to determine the MAC. I mean, if we come out with the whole weekend win, obviously they're going to be pumped and hyped, and I think that'll carry on. But even a split, I think they'll have that same kind of attitude, like, you know, we can compete, and this is predicted to be the number one team. So I think like the this weekend is the biggest test for the MAC, and it's going to no, I agree. I, I'll i give you a real record prediction of what I think is going to happen. They're going to drop one to Ball State. They'll drop one to Miami of Ohio. They'll finish the next 16 and 2. And that's been another episode of Maroon and Bold. Thank you to our sponsor, Green Tree Co-op, and thank you for listening.